All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by the Nation Network. We got today, Jared. This is Conch. Song called Slow Dance, ripping up the charts right now on Spotify. It's a bit different from him. Yeah, slow. just like a little slow, little groove. Huh? It's sexy. Kind of chill. Oh, it's sexy. I like Sex it. Sex music. Baby making music. Right I like here. it. We had conch. This is what? Third time we've had conch? Well, second conch song, third conch involved song. Conch. Yeah. Pregnancy rates are going up. Hell yeah. In the YEG. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 36 of Oilers Nation Radio. I'm here. Dan's to my left. Chris across the table from me. Cam's across from him. Rick's behind me. Actually, that's not true. Wait, who's across from him? This is all over the place. Are you referring to yourself as him? Yes. People are thinking that Cam's sitting on the ceiling. Listen, don't gender me. And you know whatever I want. I just want to say that that we're back to normal because last week I, I was sitting in your spot, Bag Milk. I don't know if you listened to the episode that you weren't hearing. I was sitting in your spot. Rick was sitting in Cam's spot. Jay was in my spot. Things were so messed up. Dan was, was still to your left. Dan was still there. Was Dan's scary. a pillar of consistency in this office. The no band, matter what happens. The band is back together today. And I want to go ahead and thank our friends at Sherwood Ford, the giant, for helping make this all possible. Check them out on Twitter at Sherwood Ford. Check them out on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant. Chris, how did the uh, adoptive pedathon go? Did you play with all the puppies? I played with all the puppies. I have a new thing to promote of uh, for sure for it, though. Go ahead. I hear about it? Yes. Uh, just pulling up the date. What was the most interesting animal you saw get adopted at the short Ford thing? Chris got adopted. Wow. I was asking people if they wanted to adopt me, but nothing. There's just, I saw, I just liked the pictures of all the adorable doggos that were in the back of the nation truck. It was beautiful, you know? Oh, they loved the nation truck. Of course they did. Why wouldn't they? All right. Sure. Ford. Is a uh, I've, I've my link finally loaded. I was a little unprepared. Sure, Ford is a silver sponsor of Racing for a Cure uh, this June. Um, it's an event. It's a yearly event that supports the Stollery. Um, so the Nation Truck will be involved. So we're really excited about that. Um, and the Nation actually has a team. I don't know about you, if you guys know this. A, a donation team with Sure Ford. Uh, we will be promoting the link uh, uh, for people to, to donate to the Stollery. Um, and what it's all about, it's, uh, it's, uh, they work with the Stollery and, and, um, there's a date in June and I'm trying to find the date in this article. <laughs> this is really well prepared. Just so you know, uh, we'll be coming around to Sherwood Ford again at about 15 minutes or so. So we'll have all this up and ready. This is why Chris is still an intern. Go ahead, Chris. Staring, nope. looking for a date. He done. He done. 
Why don't you just make something up? All you need to know is that we'll come around at 15 minutes again and we talk about Sherwood Ford. And That's I say, it. hey, you should follow Sherwood Ford on Twitter, at Sherwood Ford. You should uh, follow Sherwood Ford on no, Instagram, it's on, at Sherwood Ford. <laughs> I, got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Cut his mic. It's Cut on June mic. 22nd, the date. There's going to be a, the Nation Truck's going to be in a parade. Uh, they're going to be, there's... <laughs> parade. There's going to be a f- bunch of fun things to do. This is um, off the rails. <laughs> so, yeah, so so... Uh, if you can find the link and donate to our team for the Staller, that's great. If not, uh, please share it. Uh, Sherwood Ford's also doing something super cool uh, for every test drive in June uh, that they give away. They're going to be donating to the Stollery. Uh, they've done that in the past. So uh, so head out to Sherwood Ford in June and uh, test drive some vehicles and support the Stollery. Great plug, hey? That's a hell of a plug. Thank Sherwood you. Ford, the people at Sherwood Ford are going to be pumped that's on that for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, great, great episode this week. See you next week, everybody. Uh, I want to start off with obviously the biggest news of the week for the Edmonton Oilers. They finally concluded the general manager search with one Kendrick Holland. He is That's now not the, his real name. I don't know. I kind of like it though. Wouldn't it be cool if it was Kendrick Holland? Not Kendall. Could be Kendall Holland. Why not? Uh, Ken Holland is was announced on early this week on the seventh as president of hockey operations and GM. And I think before we really dive into it, one of my favorite things about this hire was what was discovered on the Oilers' website yesterday. <laughs> Under their staff tab, they had Ken Holland as the POHO and the GM, and it very specifically says that he has full autonomy. In the Full autonomy. My goodness. I imagine every other GM in the league looking at this and be like, yeah, so? Like, why are you guys making such a big deal of this? <laughs> Isn't it great, though? Like, it's the Oilers, so they have to be like, just so you know, he can do whatever he wants. Just so you know. Remember. I'm surprised they didn't list the financial details in there as well. Just to be just like, like what he makes. Yeah. We should be thankful that Holland's even in the staff page because Peter Torelli was still up on that page for weeks after he got fired. And in weeks from now, I'm curious to see what it looks like because Ken Holland on Monday, it was Monday, right? Yep. Yeah. On Monday said that, or no, Tuesday on Tuesday said that they are going to make some changes in hockey ops. So who knows what that's going to look like. He's got to take time to assess um what do you guys think about ken holland he was kind of a late add to the quote-unquote list of candidates however he always kind of seemed to be in the mix since everybody knew steve eisman was going to go back to detroit from tampa dan i want to start with you what do you think of holland as the hire did you did his press conference alter your opinion what do you think um i think during the whole process whenever somebody would mention ken holland i was scared because we know his his the common thread on a on a criticism of Ken Holland is his uh, salary cap management issues, and so if there's one team that has salary cap management issues, it's been Edmonton all along. So bringing in a guy that doesn't do well with that was kind of scary to me. But when I looked at it after a while, I kind of came around to the fact that you know maybe he's learned some from his mistakes. He's learned from some of his stuff, and he said that he said as such in the in the uh, press conference there especially Terry Jones a couple times that he's made some mistakes and he's learned from them. So I'm, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic, but emphasizing the cautious. Ken Holland is one of the best, one of the best GMs in NHL history. And he's made a lot of uh, a series going off. Jesus Christ. He's made a lot of bad. He's made some bad moves. <laughs> this is the worst. This is the worst episode. Chris has ever. Been. So, so. He's Holland has made some bad moves, but he's made a lot more good moves. And when you're, when you're in office for 22 years, yes, you're going to make some bad signings and, and do some bad things. Like he said in the press conference, but I think we should all be very fortunate and happy that Holland is our new GM with someone who has the experience as he does. And I'm stoked his, his press conference. He spoke with a lot of confidence and it was, it was, it was comforting, really, as a fan. It's not a surprise for me, but I'm fully bought in right now. Um, I sat back and I rethought about it. And, you know, the situation the team is in right now, I think it's a really tough gamble to take by uh, bringing in a rookie GM, someone who's never really done this before. So I think that going with a guy with experience was the the better choice for right now. Um, I could also see this turning into a situation kind of like uh, Lamorello in Toronto where he's here for a couple of years and then he starts to bring in the next crop of guys and kind of groom those guys a bit and then eventually taking the step up to Poho or just only Poho, I suppose, and letting one of the younger guys um, take over as GM. But as of right now, I think you need somebody, you need a veteran in there who, who's been around, has some contacts, knows what he's doing, is not going to get... Uh, 
intimidated by the situation that we're in and so yeah no i'm uh i'm fully on board for this and let's just get off get to october i think when they when it was first rumored that ken holland was going to be the gm it seemed it seemed kind of inevitable it was going to happen right because you know bob nicholson and him they kind of know each other hockey canada i think we all knew that that was the pool that nicholson was going to dip into I was skeptical because Holland kind of became one of those meme GMs when he was in Detroit because the Red Wings suck so much ass. But then I talked to, or I, I paid attention to kind of like what Wings fans were saying. I talked to our boy Nick Sagan over at Wings Nation, who runs the website, is a good dude. What he said was Ken Holland was quite bad when the Red Wings were still trying to keep their playoff streak alive in like 2013, 14, 15, when the team was kind of dying. But then when Mike Illich, the owner, passed away and the priority went to rebuilding because the team couldn't rebuild when he was still alive because, you know, he wanted the team to continue to be successful in his like final days, which is justifiable as an owner, Ken Holland became a lot better. And if you look at the situation Detroit's in now, everyone thinks they're a cap nightmare team, but they have a ton of cap room this offseason, a pretty solid group of prospects that he's drafted despite not having like any top five picks. And, um, and yeah, they're, they're actually a lot better off than many people expected. So I'm, I'm quite cautiously optimistic about Ken Holland. I would agree. Uh, to further your point about Nick on OilersNation.com, I did an interview with Nick Sagan, just kind of asking him some questions. And one of the things I asked him is what are the best and worst moves that he's made in recent memory? And Nick's answer, I just want to read a little part of it. Um, to kind of further Cam's point, he says, this answer requires some context. Up until 2016-17, Holland was tasked with keeping the playoff streak alive. So he made a lot of moves to not begin a rebuild or to take a run at the cup. And then he would get into the first, just to get into the first round. Since their last playoff berth in 2015-16, though, Holland has had the green light for a rebuild and almost every move he's made since then has been a good one. The very best, hands down, would be at the trade deadline deal in 2018 that sent newly extended Thomas Tatar to the Vegas Golden Knights for a first, second, and third round draft pick. That first round pick turned into Joe Valeno, who, taken 30th overall, is looking like one of the biggest steals from that draft. So Nick had a lot of really kind of even-keeled thoughts on it. To me, I was with you where I looked at Detroit as one of the top-spending teams in the NHL where they finished in the league, and you're like, oh, shit, like, here we go again. But after talking to Nick, um, looking through the cap, more, you know, really going into it, like Cam said, he's got a lot of money that comes off next summer as well. They clear a lot of cap space next summer. So he actually, for as much as people say that they were in cap hell, which I mean, on paper is true based on how it looks. It's not so bad. Plus for every, like every abdicator shitty contract like that, they have like Tyler Bertuzzi, or um, Dylan Larkin or somebody like that signed to like a really good deal. Anthony Mantha. Yeah, Anthony Mantha, Andreas Anathasiu. It's like, those are stupidly cheap contracts for like good players in their mid early 20s. Well, it's funny because you talked about Anathasiu. Anathasiu later. And uh, I remember when he needed a new contract, I think it was last summer. And Holland showed the kind of patience that we haven't seen around here. He's just kind of like, all right. Go to the KHL, then fine. Called his bluff, and all of a sudden he came in at a reasonable number, unlike what we've seen here so many times before. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm looking at it. I've still got my guard up, but that's from years of being just a sad Oilers fan. That's from years of taking a bunch of shit. That's from three and a half years of Peter Shirelli just completely strangling the depth chart to death. And, you know, we'll have to see what happens. I'm really curious to see how he what he does going into the draft. I'm curious to see if he can shed cap space with some of the players who can't contribute. I'm curious to see if he can make a move with a guy like Milan Lucic that doesn't send back a crippling contract in return. He's got a lot of work to do. He said it in the press conference a bunch of times. Um, and I'm curious to see how it goes. Curious to see how it goes. Cautiously optimistic. Yes. Thumbs up everywhere. Yeah. I think yeah. that's kind of the sentiment. I think one of his biggest strengths is just that he's seen it all in his time with Detroit. He's uh, seen playoff runs, Stanley Cup wins, and he's seen rebuilds. So he's he's seen a lot. And another thing is he's kind of done every job for the Red Wings. He's been in the he had been in that organization for thirty six years. So um, interesting. And another reminder, he has full autonomy. Well, and I think that's important too because he he of all the candidates that were listed, he's like the one guy where he can just walk in. 
and you hope that the OBs or the old boys club is not going to be able to to dictate how he runs things. Well, he's so. got that big dick energy. He's going to be coming in and people got to pay attention. It's not like he's going to get bullied around in the situation. So, so you think you think fucking Ken Holland is going to be talked into drafting some random guy from the Edmonton Oil Kings just because? I don't think so. Well, Griffin Reinhardt isn't available anymore. Well, and I <laughs> like the- <laughs> Griffin Reinhardt again. <laughs> the first pick. I like uh, I like the things he said too about uh, keeping prospects in the minors. Uh, you're going to start there. You're going to play there. You better get used to it. And if you look at Detroit, that's how it's been for a hundred years there. So that if if he can change one thing alone. And it's keep having the Oilers not rush their prospects into the NHL before they're ready, then it, that'll be a massive difference to this franchise. Uh, another, what came out at that news conference is that Holland wasted zero time in taking care of some business where he called Ken Hitchcock basically the night that he was hired and said that he uh, won't be back as a head coach. He will be back as some kind of advisor or something like that. I'm uh, curious what you guys think about Ken Hitchcock not getting the tap to return. Good move, bad move. What do you guys think, Dan? I just think it was I think I think Hitchcock when we saw Hitchcock leave the leave the uh the bench there to let Gullitson run a, a bunch of practices towards the end of the season. I think we all had a sense that that there was a bit of a rumbling of uh of mutiny there from the team. Hitchcock not really a, a long term head coach and Holland said as such in his press conference that that he wasn't gonna be a solution going forward. So uh, Holland wants a coach that can be there for the five years or the that he's going to be the GM. So I think it was, I think it just made sense. Hitchcock's a smart guy to have around the organization, a guy that you can kind of draw on his, uh, his experience from. So I think it's a, I think it's a good move for the organization and, and it makes sense for Holland to want to have his own guy there. Speaking of making sense, Chris, are you ready to make sense of your ad? For our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant. I feel like people really missed your segues after last week. <laughs> Thank I, you. I spent the last 13 minutes studying <laughs> uh, the Sherwood Ford press release. All right, All right. Before we get back to Ken Hitchcock, talk about Sherwood Ford that All you right. can follow on Twitter at Sherwood Ford and on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giant. Go check them out in beautiful Sherwood Park, Alberta. Chris, go ahead. Let me tell you about the Racing for a Cure event happening on June 22nd uh, in Edmonton. It's uh, in partnership with the with the Stollery. So what's happening is that the the uh, bunch of children from the Stollery are will be taking a helicopter tour around the around the city in the morning. Then it's parade time. Uh, the children will be uh, will be driving around in the parade in their. Uh, the kids are driving the cars as in the shotgun seat. Nice. Uh, in Wait, their every single kids in the shotgun seat. They're navigating. Yes. They're the navigators, like rallies. They're There's going to be a bunch of super stuff. cool exotic cars that the kids will be in. Um, they're going to be touring around the city. Ford Escorts? Uh, the nation truck will be in there, as I said earlier. Uh, the parade will then wrap up at the Alberta Legislative Grounds. And uh, at the ledge, there's going to be a bunch of cool cool activities open to the public. There's going to be climbing walls, uh, reverse bungees, sumo suits, and a bunch of other festivities. Um When's the date again? June twenty second. Beautiful. Uh, the parade starts at eleven a.m. and all proceeds from the event will go directly to pediatric cancer research and prevention at the Stollery. So we've got a donation link up on our social. Sherwood Ford has a donation link up on their social, um, and Sherwood Ford will be donating to the cause on uh, through uh, through uh, test drives in June. <laughs> Are you sure? You yes. just drifted off into uh, the Well, Cam's set. distracting me. I didn't do anything. There's a lot going on right now. You don't have to look at me at all times. Go ahead and follow. Uh, like as Chris said, we'll have some links up on our social media. Go ahead and follow Sherwood Ford on theirs as well. On Twitter, at Sherwood Ford. And on Instagram, at Sherwood Ford underscore the giant. And if you're on the evil empire that is Facebook, they are there as well. So check them out. All their social media. You'll get all the details that you need. Now, Dan teased you. With a little hitch talk. Ah, that was good. See what I did there? That was good. Christopher, do you like the idea of Ken Hitchcock not returning behind the bench? Yeah, I think I'm not surprised by this. I don't think I'd be shocked if there were a lot of people surprised by this. Hitchcock wasn't even surprised by this. I think he was expecting to only be there for uh, the season. Um, I think we it's just common knowledge that Hitch isn't a long-term solution and not a long-term coach. And And Dan said it right when... Uh, we've all heard it from the MSM and kind of coming out of the dressing room that uh, Hitch has a tendency to wear on guys long term. So, uh, so I think it's good to bring in a guy uh, that can have a close relationship with Holland and they can work together for the next five years. So I- I'm happy Hitch isn't returning. 
Yeah, I didn't expect him to be here either. Uh, when they brought him in last year, he kind of knew it was just to the end of the season, and then he'd kind of get shipped off into some sort of other role that the uh, that they want to give him. But uh, uh, when it comes to watching the stands, I know he did that with other teams. It gives coaches a little bit different of a point of view. So I, that didn't really tip, tip me in one way or the other. It was just I never really believed that he was going to be a, a long-term guy going into next season anyways. I think a guy like Ken Holland's going to want to bring in somebody a little bit younger. Um Maybe a little more progressive in the game is what I'm kind of hoping for. So, yeah, maybe we'll see uh, a return of the original coach, Todd. Uh, I think he's probably one of the leading candidates right now, um, if you're not looking inside the organization. But uh, I would rather see a guy like him come in than um, I know Dave Tippett's name has come up a little bit. Uh, I'd, yeah, no, I'd rather see uh, Nelson come in than, than Tippett and try and take this team and utilize all the offensive ability we have on it, as opposed to trying to lock down and play defensive first. Let's uh, magnify Connor and Leon and Nuge and the offensive skills they have surround them with some, uh, some guys who can help pop in some goals throughout the season. And, and uh, yeah, we'll stumble into the playoffs for next year. The Oilers need a millennial whisperer. It was very clear last year that the players weren't responding to Ken Hitchcock. They seemed very anxious. And you could see it in the play of someone like Ty Ratty, who was clearly in that guy's doghouse from like day <laughs> one. I don't know if uh, Ken Hitchcock, I don't know, he just really, really seemed to have it out for Ty Ratty. And then there was a bunch of guys, just like younger guys didn't really like save for, you know, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins and Drysaddle just didn't really flourish in that system at all. And I'm also... You know, Hitchcock's big thing was making the defense better. I don't think the D really looked that much better last year. The only time it was good was when it was fully healthy, but I don't know. I don't think really got that much out of players you didn't expect it from. So the Oilers need to go that new route and find that new like motivator kind of guy that communicates things well to the players to get the most out of them rather than trying to scare them into trying really hard like the, the, the baby boomer coaches did. I think it'll be interesting too to see um, cause Holland preached a lot of consistency and that's what he likes with his coaching staff, what they do with the assistants. Cause like we've got Gullitson, we've got Manny Viveros and, uh, who's the other one? Uh, Trent Yanni. Trent Yanni, Yanni yeah. all there and they've all been there for a year. And, and now, and that was, I mean, that was a mistake last year. I think we can all admit that now, but yeah, we can count that as a write off. Uh, Holland did, he stressed his main theme the main takeaway from his press conference was stability. And he said last year was rough with a new GM and new coach. So he obviously wants to bring in someone that he can see uh, sticking long-term and as well as the assistant coaches. So, so, I mean, how can you not be excited about this? Like I, I truly feel like, huh, I said this when Shirley was hired, but I truly feel like this is a new beginning and like where <laughs> our franchise will actually be moving forward. I was listening to Gregor's show yesterday and he was talking about, the coaching and what kind of changes there will be. And he thinks that they're going to take, keep one or two of the remaining assistants. He could see a situation where um, like a guy like Trent Yanni, who's apparently worked like all the defensemen like him, they could see him sticking around. Same with Manny Viveros, apparently all the players like him. Uh, so he said he could see a situation where one or both of those guys stick around. It'll be interesting though. Uh, Ken Hitchcock was on primetime sports with Bob McCown earlier this week, and he talked about it. Um, and what he said was, it wasn't tough on me, to be honest. I went in last year with Peter Shirelli to help Peter and help the Oilers in particular, and I knew it was year by year. I told them, if you decide to move on from me, I still want to help. Obviously, Edmonton is my hometown. The team means the world to me. The success of the team means everything to me, and I knew it, I couldn't coach forever, but I still want to help in some way. Now, he goes on in that interview to talk a little bit about possibly helping in pro scouting uh, as an advisor to the coach uh, in amateur scouting, whatever they need from him. Do you like Ken Hitchcock in that type of role? The reason, the only question mark I would have is that I know he was involved in bringing Brandon Manning to town in terms of pro scouting. That's not a great start. I mean, you got to give Hitch a, a mulligan on that one, I guess, but do you like? I I personally like the idea of having a group of smart people around. That's the best way that the Oilers are going to move forward is having people that are qualified, people that offer opinions, and people that offer valuable insight. I think Hitch can do that, so I like the idea. But I'm curious what you guys think, Daniel. I think it's better to have a Ken Hitchcock giving you advice 
than a Paul Coffey giving you advice. Hitchcock has been successful more recently than the old boys club. So I think if, and you hope that Ken Holland is able to purge some of the, uh, some of the old, old boys from the uh, upper echelons uh, that, that there is people like Hitchcock to just replace those guys and give him a, a more, uh, a more rounded out opinion of things. So I think, I think it's a good, I think it's a good move. More voices is always better. I think Um, I'm not exactly as opposed to some of the guys that hold higher job titles right now. As some people, I know the guys I want to see gone right away would be the pro scouts. Um, Those guys have definitely been uh, a leading issue into why we are where we are right now. Um, So that's the first, those are the first guys I want to see fixed. I want to see Holland bring in some guys who have different opinions, you know, Housen, thanks for everything. You're out of here. Uh, Sutter, peace, Mac T. You've been great to the organization. If we could find a spot in the, in the organization, as you know, a lot of organizations have their alumni do. Fantastic. But those guys have to be out of the way. I have no idea if Paul Coff even works for the company anymore or what he was. I understand what they wanted to do there. They wanted to bring in a guy who could help teach the D. And, you know, he's one of those guys out there. He's, that That's his style of game. So I didn't, I don't think it's as bad as everyone else thought it was. I think that's it. There might be some more qualified guys out there, but he's with arm, arms distance mid season. It's really hard to pick up anybody, I, I suppose. So, uh, whatever. But no, I think Colin's going to have some guys. He's going to surround himself with a lot of younger, progressive minds. And, uh, we'll see the, we'll see the results in the, in the roster in the, coming season i guess it's just frustrating for for a paul coffee or any of those guys to be brought in when the oilers just have to be more self-aware of their optics that's the that's the thing and but we're willing to bring back any like i i understand why people don't like it but i don't think it's as big as a deal as everybody says it is like no i agree but it but it's just saying he wants to be here no matter you know hitchcock essentially getting fired and still wants to be in edmonton still wants to help out the negativity behind everything has not dampened him. I remember everybody saying no GM is going to want to come here, but a guy who who's from here, who's been fired by the team, essentially still wants to stick around. Like it's still a place you want to be. It's still, you're in the NHL. The, the framework of the team we have right now is still well beyond a lot of other teams out there. And yes, it's because we have the top end talent, all we have to do right now is plug in the uh, the middle guys, and we're right back in there with everybody. Um, yeah, you want to have your alumni around. I mean, everybody can scream whatever. I don't think Wayne Gretzky has ever sat at a table and said, "This is what you have to do. Go get this type of a guy." That's not his. That's not his. Um, it's not his personality. I can see, you know, Mark Messier doing that because you know he wanted the, the GM job out in 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 New York, and he just wanted it like he hadn't really done anything he just expected to get it so i'm sure there's some of those guys in there but i still think this old boys thing gets blown out uh gets a little blown out of proportion a bit holland's gonna go in there he's gonna surround himself with his guys and i don't see him bumping anybody else out of there because they don't matter to him anyways like yep he can say hey this guy that guy whatever but at the end of the day he's gonna sit down in an office with his five or six guys and everything he just heard is not gonna it's not gonna matter anyways at the end of the day, we're we're really just all speculating as fans. We really don't know what happens behind closed doors. And I mean, I I want to believe that the old boys club aren't given their input into moves like that. Input. They're given input, but yeah, in reality, we just don't know, and we'll never know. So all we can trust is that Holland is coming in with a bunch of experience and an outside perspective, and he won't be hey, he is full autonomy. Uh, he won't be. He won't be. <laughs> I read that by, somewhere. Yeah, he won't be strayed by an old boys club or anything like that. The thing that's weird is uh, there's probably some truth to you know somewhere lies somewhere in the middle of how much the old boys club actually does. When you look at it though, as a business, just in general, the Oilers as a business that just got valued at seven hundred million dollars Canadian by Forbes. What other business would allow? such poor performance for 13 years outside of one without clearing out all management. It just wouldn't happen. That's exactly it. It just wouldn't happen. Exactly. If you're telling me that Coca-Cola, if they had 13 years of shit 
and they dropped market share and they didn't and Pepsi just started lapping them that they wouldn't clear house of course they would so looking at it from that perspective it is weird now what they actually do who knows where they actually are right now are they in an office or are they cuddled up in their Connor McDavid Connor McDavid pajamas just like I was this morning I don't know who knows but like if you look at it as a business it's weird it's weird it is the over it is the overarching constant I mean there's we we have no evidence to say that Kevin Lowe was standing in the room and he went up to Peter Chiarelli and grabbed him by the collar and essentially whispered how great of a defenseman Griffin Reinhardt would be and how he reminded him of him back in the day. Oh, see, I was wondering which way I thought you were going to say he was going to shake him. He's just kind of holding, he's grabbing by the collar with a real passionate look in his eyes and Kalo was just like, did you ever watch me play in the, in the 80s? <laughs> I know something about winning. That Griffin kid looked just like me. Trade everything you can for him. And Peter said, wow, Kevin, let's do it. Like, I don't know if that shit happened, but I think there is definitely a constant in which we've seen poor performance and these dudes have all been in the mix and we know that when Chiarelli came in he didn't really bring that many of his own dudes so I think all I can say is I just hope that Ken Holland brings a whole bunch of guys from the Red Wings that did a good job when they were there this whole thing has come full circle from that Kevin Lowe quote though because Kevin Lowe said when he said he knew the thing or two about winning he also mentioned Ken Holland and how Maybe Ken Holland was the only person in the world that knew more about winning than him. Wow, so now now Kay Lowe can't oh, say he knows something about winning because Kay Holland knows even more about winning. That's so good. He at least does know what he, something about winning. The guy's got how many Stanley Cup rings? Yeah, but... How many times has he won on Team Canada? The factory but, worker and is he built the, Oiler, the and best he built person a, on the factory. And he built an Oilers team that was like... $13 in the bank and we're able to get us in the playoffs. Hey, I mean, he must have had but, a lot of nudes to be getting getting Yaroslav Spacek for Tony Samalan. And what's going on there? What did you have on Chicago's GM when you were like, doing that? He does know stuff, but How I many? almost guarantee you from the time, he, like it's such a stressful job that when you have the opportunity to get out of the hockey aspect of it, but still be part of the Oilers because that's in your blood. I guarantee you, he wants nothing to do with the hockey end of it. Um, they might ask him questions, but you're in the office. You got to answer those questions. But he's not out there. He does not want to be part of this, man. He's been done. He's pl- he's played. He's coached. He's GM'd. He's been every aspect in here. And I think he wants to be part of the Oilers till the day he dies, but does not want to deal with the hockey aspect anymore just because it's such a... It can't be good for him or the family or nothing. Yeah, I agree with that. But... The main thing is whatever move we do moving forward, coach, assistant coaches, scouts, as long as they run it by Connor McDavid and Connor McDavid approves it, I will be happy. Is Connor McDavid going to be part of the old boys one day? Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully there's going to be a new old boy, isn't it? I mean, yeah, Rick is right. Kevin, no, Kevin Lowe does know a lot about winning, but as Cam said, those all came as a player. Yeah. The very large difference here is Ken Holland actually won as a manager. And nobody that's currently there can say that. Exactly. Nobody. But what? maybe it'll be a breath of fresh air. Uh, maybe he'll clear the space in which everyone oops. lives and works. And that clear space is going to come courtesy of our friends at POG. Thank you. Nice. As you know. Nice. Yeah. You can head over to thepogstore.com right now and pick up a mobile unit, a plug-in unit, or anything that you need that fits your lifestyle that will help kill 98% of household odors caused by bacteria and fungus. It actually eats the bacteria and fungus. Think of it like a little white blood cell for the air. You know what I mean? It destroys it. Those stink cells are cruising around and the power of ozone cruises with it, swallows it up and makes it disappear. You know what I mean, Chris? Yeah. Our friends at POG are actually right now at the uh, Hockey Helps the Homeless tournament. Hockey Fights are, the Homeless? And they are doing uh, free bag and equipment cleaning services right now. Of course they are, because they're great people. Why? Because they got a great product. Go to thepogstore.com, pick up whatever unit fits your lifestyle, and take the 30-day challenge. Kills 98% of odors caused by bacteria and fungus, freshens and purifies the air naturally, and eliminates odors without the use of dangerous chemicals. Head over to thepogstore.com. Next up, boys, I want to talk about a question that came in in this week's mailbag. Uh, Philip. Philip submitted a question that says, is this the year that the Oilers should look at selling high on a few players such as Nurse and R&H? 
Now, I get where he's coming from. They need to make changes. There's no doubt. There's going to be personnel that leave. There's going to be new guys that come in. However, what I would suggest is that the Oilers need more good players, not less. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, yes, it's his best career best goals, assists, points. However, he just turned 26. There's no reason that he couldn't do it again. He's not an old man. Nurse just hit 40 points for the first time in his career. Is he on the way to being something? I can see with Nurse a little bit more trading him over Nuge in the sense that Daryl's got one year left on this bridge deal he's got. And if he goes and repeats what he just did, he's going to be expensive. Do the Oilers want to pay, I don't know, $6 million plus for Darnell Nurse? I could see them trading him. Um, the thing that'll be interesting is that Ken Holland has no loyalty to any of these players. Outside of like Leon and Connor, I would say, anybody could go and it, I wouldn't be surprised, really. Now, he did mention guys like Nuge as part of a core the other day when he was talking to the media, so that makes me feel better, obviously, as the president and CEO of the Nugent Hopkins fan club. I don't know. I just, I don't think selling, moving your best players for what are you going to get? Are you going to get trade Nuge for a center that's better than Nuge? Probably not. Are you going to trade him for a defenseman? Okay. Who's a readily available defenseman that really is an upgrade that you could get for Nuge? Same with Darnell Nurse. Are you going to trade him for a forward? Is that forward going to be better than Nuge if you trade him? I don't know. I don't think trading the best players on the team, the others only have six of them, really. Five, six of really good players. I don't think moving any of them is a good idea. Dan? It's, uh, I think, as Ken Holland has kind of alluded to, I think you just, you, it depends on the package you're getting for him. I think we're, and and I know you know this, I mean, we're we're operating in the mindset that Peter Shirelli is making these trades and holy hell, that's a nightmare. But maybe Ken Holland gets a, you know, finds a GM that overvalues Darnell Nurse for even what he is now and thinks he can be better. And and then you make that deal. But I'm not saying you do, but it just depends on the package that you're getting back. And that's and that's something we'll just never know. So I think I think other than Dry and Connor, Ken Holland listens to every offer, but he doesn't take it unless it makes sense. It hurts my feelings to say this, but uh I think I'm almost on board for moving Darnell. Wow. Now, wow. having said that, it is partially, as Bag Milk said, his next contract is going to be inflated just because everything goes up. And I understand it. If you can get him at five, five and a half, that's, I think that's going to be a very team-friendly contract for him. Um, but one of the bigger things is we have his replacements behind him almost up and ready to roll. So I think Holland Holland has to make a decision. Clef bomb or nurse. Once you make that decision, you move whichever one you've decided to move. You keep the other one. You've got um you've got Jones coming up, Samarukov, you've got you've you've got enough right now on left-handed defenseman that you can move somebody like that. If you could end up moving like a Darnell nurse and he turns into William Nylander-esque, you know, some fast right-handed guy who can score 30 goals by himself, let alone having Nuge, Leon, and Connor throw him the puck and setting him up in certain areas. I think you have to look at that. You, We're going to end up in that situation where St. Louis is where they have um, Pareko and Petrangelo, two top-end right-handed, wing, uh, right-handed defensemen. Obviously, they... Don't play on the same line, so you got to you got to set one and two. You can do that with uh, Nurse and Clefbaum, but I think right now you might be better off moving one out and upgrading your uh, and upgrading your forwards because we definitely do need speed. We need someone who can shoot the puck. We know that's not going to be Yamamoto this year. We've got big hopes on Puliarvi. Other than that, those guys are really hard to find. So unless you can find like the yearly Lee Stempniak that gets signed in August and puts up, you know, 22 goals every year. If you can't find that guy, this might be the, this might be your only other opportunity to, uh, to bring somebody in like that. I can't believe you brought up the exact trade I was going to suggest. 
Oh, please do because there there's going to be an alternative tr- uh, to this trade too. So go. The trade what I is was, your trade? The trade I was going to suggest is that you know that young glasses wearing nerd in Toronto, Kyle Dubas, who used to run the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, Ooh. in which Darnell Nurse was a key player of, might want to trade Mitch Marner to the Oilers because Mitch Marner's dad's a fucking weirdo. And Dubas doesn't want to go through another situation that he did. No, I'm serious. But aren't there, aren't there, thir- aren't there, aren't there like 25 other teams out there that can offer more than nurse maybe oh, yeah. or, or what do you what is your trade you're going for marner not even yeah. Sa- nylander yeah you go for i'm glad go i for Mitch down for this part you uh offer them uh, it can't be one for one maybe the trade is one for one hey if we could do it i do it in a and second Ken holland uh executes the one for one no but actually like what i was and you gotta like, find being, them, being you gotta like find jokes aside space too, i think it's it's prudent to try and move both nugent hopkins and nurse in this situation because both have expiring contracts and both are going to be expensive to resign. And what you do is you trade them for like opposite positions, players who are younger and can kind of grow into the mix. Like, I mean, personally, I don't think anybody outside of Connor McDavid is untouchable on the team. Like if Columbus came and offered Seth Jones for dry like, do you really say no? Oh, that's tough. I don't right? know what I do for there. I'm just, glad Seth they, I'm and just Caleb glad Jones that, in the that mix? phone call never comes to my phone. Yeah. Exactly. Like I, 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 I think you should be open to trading like literally anybody if the other player coming back is really good. Except Obviously, you are, but I think in a in a realistic situation, um, I don't think anyone's going to offer enough to bring to drag Drysaddle out of here. No. Obviously, no one's going to offer enough to, for Connor. Um, I don't. I think you can go and offer out a Clough Bomber and Nurse. Obviously, whichever one you want to keep or don't want to keep, I suppose you can offer that out, and then you can start looking at um at what comes in. It's going to be a tough goal, but yeah, Martin, I don't even think he's No, no, Martin, Martin's not going to happen. It doesn't make any but what sense about, he's asking for like infinite money out of there. You can probably get him or Andreas Johnson. Kapanen and... Uh, Andreas Johnson was one of the biggest Kapanen, scores from New, Kapanen New Year's Kapanen and Kadri for Nurse. You can probably do that. I know. Uh, I, I would... Uh, I do think that Nurse is the guy to go over Clefbaum personally. I think Clefbaum's a superior player. And you, you can see that when Clefbaum goes down his injury and the team fucking implodes. Yeah. I feel bad because Darnell's never had the proper line mate with him that's true he's had to learn how to swim in the deep end all by himself and sometimes he's had to keep an eye on his partner to make sure he didn't drown but you look at larson's is, numbers when he's playing with nurse versus clef bomb like larson's a significantly better player with clef bomb yeah but if we just found a good stay-at-home type of defenseman for darnell to be able to rely on i think you're really gonna see what he can develop into. maybe a seth jones for Leon Drysaddle? Uh, we, we already have Caleb. Why do we need the older brother? <laughs> you, got, you gotta get both the, of them. We the, got the older brother. Get all the you don't Joneses. Need the younger. You don't, we, got the, we got the younger one. The Who way the, the negotiations one? went for Nurse's bridge deal makes me think that Nurse is gonna... He's gonna ask for at least six. And I, I, I would, I'm on board with trading him now while his value's high. Uh, I think Nuge... I think Nuge is on... Keep Nuge forever right now. I don't think he's gonna be as expensive as we think he's going to be in two years. He's gonna be 27... He's a 70-point player, but honestly, 27 years old, you're kind of falling out of your prime, hey? So if you're falling out of your prime, why would you want to re-sign him on his next contract? Well, it depends what I would, the deal looks like. Yeah, yeah, I would keep him cheap. Like, I, I think... He so would, he's going to be 28 when his contract expires. He would get a raise, you think? Would you want to give him 7 mil for 6 years? Not for 6 years. Not for 6 years. I would give him 7 mil, What, would he, for seven million, what million. would he command on the open market? But like seven That's, million dollars, I don't think is unreasonable. No, for a two-way player like in two huge? years, what the cap will go up again? Yeah, uh, we're probably gonna have some compliance buyouts for some some more cap space. I, I don't think it's unreasonable. I would rather pay Nuge seven mil than Nurse six to seven mil. If you kept Nuge, then what you do is you also keep the flexibility of being able to play Connor with Leon if you want, and then you trade Leon for Seth Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that. Like, like Rick said, I think that keeping Nuge offers the team more flexibility necessarily than keeping Nurse would. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So I think Nurse is definitely the player to sell high on. The others we've seen so many times sell low on guys and they buy high on guys. Take your opportunity now. Nurse had a great season. His underlying metrics suggest that he might have overachieved. Get another team to do the Larson Hall thing that you did a few years ago. Yeah, we'll see. 100%. Like, recoup those assets. We'll see what Ken Holland can do. Like I said, this he's got no loyalty to any players on this roster outside of, well, d- depending your mileage may vary outside of Connor, Leon, whatever. Um, so we'll see. He's got no reason to not trade players. They need to make, he's talking about making the playoffs next year. 
with the same roster, that's not going to happen. I'm looking at guys like I could see him doing buyouts as well. Like a guy like Sam Gagne, does he get bought out? Does he come back? Does he get traded? I don't know. Zach Cassian's got one year left on, at 1.9. Uh, Kyle Brozniak's got one year left at 1.1. 1. 1. Uh, Colby Cave is back at 60 or 675. But looking at the defense, if we're talking about who should move, Clefbaum is signed for another four years at a very reasonable 4.1. Would you value that player? Albeit he does get hurt. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Over Darnell Nurse, who's going to be in for a sizable raise at the end of this coming season. Like, when do we start calling Clefbaum a band-aid? How many more times is he going to get hurt? Yeah, he's uh, the only full season he's had is in the year that the Oilers went to the playoffs. Um, No surprise, he's their best defenseman. And since then, he's missed, you know, last year he missed 21 games. The year before that, he only played 66. In 2015-16, he only played 30. So, but at least it's all different injuries, right? Like, yes. Yep. This year he blocked the shot. Random I, thing. Yeah, I know you're right. It's, not like, he's, it's not like his Alex Hemsky where he injures his shoulder every yeah. week. Yeah. So he had a he had a, you know a plethora of injuries or whatever, but arguably, in my opinion, he's a better player than Nurse. So, Connor McDavid's had two injuries now. Is it time to trade him? Is he abandoned? It's true. It's true. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes, and uh, it's going to be an interesting summer. Um, how is he going to clear space? How is he going to make room? How are we going to find new players? How are we going to get different people in here that can actually contribute so that it's not all on three or four guys? There's going to be new look. There's going to be a fresh look. There's going to be a fresh space. And that's exactly what you'll get with the team as well as what you'll get <laughs> from our friends at POG. What you need to do is you need to head over to the pogstore.com Pick up the unit that fits your life, whether that's one that's mobile, you keep it in your car, make it smell fresh. You got a plug-in unit like I do, and you got dog smells you want to take care of. You got hockey equipment, whatever you need, pantry, kitchen, basement, garage, bathroom like Dan, whatever you need. The POG has got a solution for you. It kills 98% of household odors caused by bacteria and fungus, will freshen and purify the air naturally without the use of dangerous chemicals. Head on over to thepogstore.com and breathe a little easier today. Today. Uh, real quick, a couple of housekeeping items before we continue on. Kaylor Yamamoto got surgery yesterday. Um, he had been kind of banged up all year, actually. He had an up-and-down season. So the Oilers said that he will be back for training camp. And I'm curious what you think... Of now that Holland's in, do you think this is going to put a guy like Kaylor Yamamoto one or two years away from making the show? Yeah, yeah, I think he's I think he's going to spend some time in Baker, which is which is good. He needs he needs that consistency. Bakersfield needs that consistency. Woodcroft deserves that after this season. It's uh, it'll be good. I think him and Benson um, are guys that that can uh, can work together. Kind of smaller guys, but uh, but some skill there. So I think it'll be good. Uh, another thing is looking at the goalie options. Ken Holland said one of his biggest things that he wants to do is pick up a goalie to play 30, 35 games behind Miko Koskinen. Looking at the free agents, there's not a whole lot. Uh, you're going to probably have to make a trade for that. Cam, you wrote about it this morning. Tell me about goaltenders. Should I list all of the goaltenders that I listed? Just, just rapid fire. Yeah, I can just read the whole thing. Yeah, just, we'll thing. just sit here and you can read the so whole thing. So the, the list of free agents is bad. The number one guy that you've got is Bobrovsky. He's not signing here. I think everyone knows he's signing in Florida. That's just Too expensive a, anyway. Yeah, I was say, you don't want his money anyways. And then the other one that I didn't think was realistic is Robin Lehner, who had his one-year show-me deal with the Islanders, killed it. Vesna finalist. He's going to sign for a fuck ton of money somewhere. That's risky. So then the other ones were Varlamov, who lost his starting job in Colorado to Grubauer, Morazic and Mickelhenny, who were the tandem in Carolina that did quite well. They're still rolling. Brian Elliott, career 1B guy, but he's never really been good outside of St. Louis. Mike Smith, who was the Flames goalie. He was all kinds of trash last year, but was actually pretty good in the playoffs. <laughs> Cam Ward, who quite literally made a 13-year career out of like one good season and one good finals appearance. I don't remember what he did in the finals or who it was against, but something happened there. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I don't no remember idea that at all. Was. 
Yeah, it was probably some, yeah, the league. It might have been in the AHL or I think it was roller hockey. Maybe, yeah, it was maybe it was ball hockey. And there's Cam Talbot. We're familiar with him. He's a free agent. Anthony Stolarz. I don't think he's a part of the Oilers' plans, given that he played like two games down the stretch. And then Keith Kincaid, the option that I quite like, who killed it in New Jersey, not not this season, but the year before that, when Corey Schneider randomly fell off a cliff, and he helped that shitty ass Devils team make the playoffs. I think he's kind of a good option. And there's a whole bunch of trade avenues they could ex- explore. There's like a guy like Tristan Jerry doesn't really have a job in Pittsburgh. Um, Jack Campbell in L.A. or Cal Peterson is the other one. Darcy Kemper in Arizona. Uh, James Reimer in Florida is going to be on the outs because they want Bobrovsky. There is a ton of goalies out there, and none of them are very good. Uh, my pick is Curtis McElhaney. McBackup. Yeah. he's uh, he's he, he had a little brief playoff ex- uh, appearance with Carolina. Played great. He's playing he, right now. He had like a. He's currently. Oh yeah, he is still playing. Yeah, he was the first. He was the oldest goalie ever to make his playoff debut. Yeah, he's a. He's thirty-five. Yeah, he's thirty-five. He's his contracts right now is eight fifty. He's UFA. You could probably sign him for. I don't know. He'll. I don't know if he'll want to. One point five mil. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. He had a nine-one-two save percentage this year. I yeah, he's my guy. I honestly have no idea. Goalies yeah. are voodoo. Um, every time I think that there's a good idea, uh, it backfires, and I don't. I realize that I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, Peter Mrazek actually played last night. I thought he did. Oh, he's back. He back. We are back. He had a bad third period last night. We're going to talk a little bit. Playoffs. The refs had a bad third period last. Night. <laughs> yeah, he was. Well, should we just jump into playoffs? We'll just jump into some That's playoff good. talk. Third round kicked off last night. Boston and Carolina. Boston had a four-goal third period, came back from a 2-1 deficit, kind of ran the show in the third period. Refs, again, inconsistent. And on the other side, St. Louis and San Jose kick off on Saturday. So all I've got left from my original bracket, the only team I've got left is St. Louis. And I had them going to the cup final and losing to Tampa. So I'm kind of borked either way, Chris. Looking at this third round... What are you guys thinking of the matchups? Obviously, Boston's up one nothing after last night's game. What do you guys think of those two matchups? Who's going to come out? Daniel, I'll start with you. For a person that never watched or didn't watch a lot of Eastern Conference games this year, I did pick the entire Eastern Conference playoffs up until this point correctly. You got lucky, though. Hold Nobody on. Nobody wanted those teams to go. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, that's you, why the NHL was reissuing brackets after the first round. No, no, round. That, was, that was a plan that they had. Boston before. winning in the first oh, round was a shock. Oh, my. Yeah, that was a big upset. That was the huge upset. Uh, So I have Boston moving on to the next round. And I think that that will, I mean, I'm given the benefit of watching last night's game as well. But Boston St. Louis final. I think Boston probably. That would be so boring. Uh, and better then, than watching the Islanders and the Hurricanes yeah, play. So that's yeah, true. That nobody, nobody watched any of them. I think we're going to see brutal. probably see San Jose out of the out of the West. I know the, refs the refs very clearly want San Jose to go yeah. all the way. Yeah. Based on what? Based on that fucked call, the Joe Pavelski thing. That was weird. And then that, don't do it, Rick. <laughs> don't walk off. into this. No, and we're then, not uh, getting this. That was then game seven. Lose. One bad call. Colorado. How many Two very, very nicely, conveniently. Did the, refer- did the referee let all those shots in? Yes. How many? He did because he called a five-minute major instead of a two-minute. All liner. the majors called ever from today but you know the situation the has any team ever scored four rick goals you, rick you know that is a choke you know that is a choke job we've been waiting to uncork this battle but you you know better than that because in that situation the bad goal got let in in two seconds and then that's the end of the power i'm telling you right now here's what the nhl wants they want this narrative it's joe thornton winning his stanley cup against against the boston Royals. so he's gonna beat his old team down that's what they want. That's the that they're wearing it's that tin fil- Is that why you have that tinfoil hat on? Yes. I think. Uh, I don't want Gary Bettman reading my thoughts. I think San Jose is the better team over the Blues, but the Blues oh, are the Blues are so hot right now, and they, Dude, they the have like this chemistry thing better going around, on. Around team skill wise, yeah. I don't know. I, it's close, but I think I give the Blues the edge based on just their story, and and they're a little bit younger, a little bit bigger, tougher. A little the Sharks bit, are little bit way faster. more skilled yeah. up front. Way no, more their their skill is old though. Infinitely more. Joe could, or um, Couture, Pavelski, Carlson. Kimo Meyer. You've Pavelski. Got How old is he? He's down near my age. Doesn't matter. He's still <laughs> better than. Does. He's still better than Jaden Schwartz. <laughs> oh, buddy, I oh. take out of all forwards in that series, I'll take Tarasenko first. Okay, 
And then, how and then do, what? How do you? Now he's got the top end talent. You haven't even mentioned Tyler Bozak. Yes. What was I thinking? <laughs> so and then how do you bet against Burns and Carlson? hundred percent. And Martin Jones because you watch the Pareko, Pareko and Petrangelo and Bennington and Carl Gunnarsson. That's what. That's what stops those. The, the only difference between ones. the only difference for me. We just is know those names a little bit more than we do the St. Louis names. Goaltending in St. Louis is better than San Jose's, but that's it. I still give it, their defense. Too. Rest of it, I still give it to Saint Carlson. Hasn't looked like Ottawa Carlson. One thing he hasn't looked like he hasn't, he hasn't looked like to. a he hasn't looked like a Norris guy. He hasn't had to because the refs are helping. He's playing him. through his injury. Oh, he's getting, playing through his groin injury too. <laughs> one thing Poor nobody refs. okay. One thing nobody's talked about is would it be cool to see the Carolina Hurricanes win the Stanley no. Cup for the first time ever? Shut up. They've never won before. It'd be cool to see them you win. You have no idea how much this eats me up inside. Not picking up what I'm putting down right one now. Of the old guys, <laughs> one of the old guys. I, I yelled at one saying. of the old guys at work because he was cheering for them too. I was like, do you remember 06? I don't know how this fandom works these days with these young kids. Well, but back in my day, if somebody wronged you, you never, ever forgave them. Until you settled the score. You still Islanders, hold that grudge to that crossing guard that didn't let you go across in grade four. We didn't listen to them. We went anyways. Nice. And then yeah, they we chased walked, us. We walked it was a home, whole situation. It's Clarity, man. It both was ways. Serious. It was serious it was issues. Snowing. No, man. I'm telling you, man. Everyone's trying to put this the, the refing and make it a, a much bigger issue than it is. Yeah, no. they made a bad call. In that one. And I agree with you. It was a bad call. But there is no other option for them. We missed... We missed the. Uh, they didn't call the the major on McAvoy because he did not want to be put in the same damn place. And that's where my Twitter in the world. That's my thing. As the guy, they didn't fucking, call it because they want the Bruins in the finals to face the Sharks. No, we called not the not There's not. You can't have a. You can't have anything more than a two minute headshot call. It's not as. It's not. A, it's not all on the referees. I agree, I do agree with that. I it think is. that. I think that the 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 ebb and flow of hesitant to make calls and then overzealous to make calls has been has been pretty evident throughout the, the playoffs. The hesitancy is because they have to make it a, like that. Of course. Whereas these guys got to go sit down and watch frame by yeah, frame absolutely. by frame. And if it happens in frame by frame, everyone looks back at that ref and goes, you're horrible. How did you notice this? But that's but that's, that's the reality. Is that the guys that, that fucked up the call Take against Vegas out of the game. are gone. Take they don't play. They the don't, they're not refing anymore. Take review out of the game. That's that's that is one of the most asinine comments. What if a ref makes heard? a bad because call? The referees need to be able to use reviews as a tool that helps them. Right now, review is only a tool that is to criticize referees. Off, they the need offside, to be given the, the, the ability rule. to the offside rule. Would you like it or would you like it to go away? I think I think that. The offside rule you can't change it. It's either the way the it issue, is now. The issue with the offside rule away. is that is it it's it's a it's a it's a fallback for coaches when they see they look back and they're like oh shit it was close so I'm going to call that and now and and that and that's an issue but they are the foot at the of, end the of the day they are the getting ice going across the blue line at the end of the day they are getting they are getting a call right it's it's right like if you hate it you love it they're still getting a call no, right what they're doing is they're providing themselves an opportunity to make the call that's convenient to the narrative that they want to create if we want to call the more of you, le- if we want to call the one skate above the blue line that refer that makes it an offside the we're, right call we're living, i think that's this playoff run against what it's for just has to be used as a a shift in the way that we use review and the, and the way that we give referees tools instead of always being able to attack referees i agree People have the benefit of looking at reviews. Chris made the point uh, on the offside call that people were looking at the wrong situation. That when the puck goes across the line, that 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 then that's the end of the offside. But it it only matters when the other guy comes across the the blue line that it, that it's actually in a call. Did we give the, the linesman a, a credit last night for that offside or the one that were like Morales yeah, came great. out of the net to like freak out of the ref? People were getting. And he's him like, credit. dude. It came out, but your defenseman brought the fucking puck back in, and it happened and, so fast. So, like, and, the, and the he was there. The one thing, everyone, where's the credit for these guys? I don't want to say I give credit back up the refs, but I give credit for the referees in the Dallas series when when uh, Lindell was caught flopping all over the ice later on in the game. They see him flop down again, and they don't give him the call. Well, I, I give him that, the, the the one in front of the net that led to the goal wasn't a penalty. I don't even think but, it was much of a flop. But he went the other to, he three went were, to make, get a call. But to be fair, if the ref called the first cross check, maybe then the rest of them don't go. And I mean, I that think, was a legit call. They let it go. I think whether we like it or not, we're going to get more video replay because the reality is, is we're living in the world of surveillance. 
Yes. No. You, okay. And well, that's a weird way of looking, but I agree with you because <laughs> if CBC has all these cameras and can slow it down, and that's where that's why the leagues are forced to to bring it in, is because the networks have it. If well, networks have it, can break it down for you. Then the league has to bring it in because they can see it. And everybody has a tool in their hand now, a phone where they can look at the reviews in, in the arena. People are looking at the reviews in the. We were looking at the Connor McDavid injury seconds after it happened. We're getting we're getting videos sent to us on Twitter. Oh, you got to bring that up. It's just it's, it's the and who's watching us while we watch. That is the question because we live in the world of surveillance. What everyone needs to just Facebook. accept is that it's human error and it's a sport and it's a game and mistakes are going to happen. Like it, it's no, it's literally humans. I don't it's accept humans. it. Why? I don't accept it. Why? I hate I think, reviews. I, think I hate how boring the games the are getting. Then why I don't you say why don't you through s- them? I hate offside rules when the fucking door to the bench is inside the blue line and a guy's going for a change and now Colorado's out because of a weird call. That's so dumb. Landis Gog in that one, in that instance, he had nothing to do with the play. He was looking away. What there used to be like a grace period of like three, four or five feet. When you're going to the bench on a change, they'll be like, okay, well he's off the ice, not off the ice. Bag milk's a Freemason. Yeah. Sure. Yes, I am in control of all things, and I am also in the Illuminati, so I've got my fingers in a several different secret pies. I was a member of the Skulls. Stonecutters. Stonecutters, absolutely. Yeah. I just think that these reviews are, they take so long, and it's so boring, and I'm over them, and the fact that we're going to get more is probably accurate. And the thing that really annoys me is that one fucking bad goal by Matt Deshane three years ago or whatever ruins it was. everything. Ruined offsides. Like yeah. now you can challenge. Ruin the them. Blue Jackets. Ruin the Sens. It's, ruined offsides. It's funny. Everyone's paying such close attention to whether that play was offside when he was Lanskog was at the boards. But there's a bigger problem here, and that's the fact that him being at the boards had nothing to do with the play in general. So like reviews in general. It's just. It's just. It's like I understand why they put it in because the Landis or the Deshane goal was absurd. But that was also an outlier that you're probably never going to see again. And in a game that didn't matter too, right? Yeah. No. That's the same thing with the Pavelski call. It's happened once, right? Can anyone go find anywhere ever in history where this has happened again? So in turn, are we just going to blow this out of proportion? Yes. Yes. And that's could, not because we live in the world of surveillance. That's good. That's the only reason we're doing it is because everybody's favorite team is the little Las Vegas Knights, and we no. want to make sure they get handed no. everything. It has to do with the fact that it's a game seven, and it, it should and be it no. It should be game one. It should not game. matter what game, and it, it should not be a time, and it does it not. No, it shouldn't. It does. So a tripping, it shouldn't be called at the end of the third. It's just like an offside in game seven shouldn't be shouldn't matter, but it does because of the moment that we're in. No, but you're we, saying that we some more, offsides are more that you need to be calling some offsides because it's when it is. But if it was in game one of the regular season, you don't have to call it then. We put more levity on situations that are pivotal. But when it comes to calls like this, it can't matter. It has it, to either ha- be a call now to, and, and a call later, or it it, it has to be. It, it has to be. Yeah, but like good all the time. But we've talked about that. We've talked about that with consistency and refereeing in general. The refereeing is different from game one to game twenty four to game forty to it's game eighty two to, to playoffs it's game not one to, to playoffs game seven. It's not supposed to, to be the Stanley Cup Finals game seven. That's a lot. It's, of it's all different. That's a lot of different levels. It's all, but it's all different because it because the referees call it harder at the start of the start of the season. Then they let it up, and then they then there's a big push in the mid season to have them fix it because of the board governors meeting. Now there are some then, memos that get sent out to yeah. them throughout the season that says hey keep an eye on this keep an eye on this but i don't think they're ever like okay loosen up on this loosen up on this the big thing that needs to happen bag milk is correct they need to work on the length of the reviews and then they need to work on giving the referees the tools to be able to make the right calls so that the referees aren't then if the, if a referee decides they don't want to go to a review then that's on the referee and then that's their fault but if the referee has the ability to be able to double check his work that's a big deal. So now we're gonna now we're gonna let the refs decide whether we go yep. to reviews. Uh, you you weren't here for when I when I talked about it, but the NBA has a system in place because the NBA was wrought completely with issues. Completely different game though. Wrought with issues. Completely different but situation. It, but it's not in the sense that the referees in the NBA, if they've missed something, if they've missed a minute detail that they want to check on, all they do is they put their finger in the air and and they let they re- let a review booth know that they want to look at it. By the time they walk over to the to the desk. The review company or review place in New Jersey has looked at it a bunch of times and already has an opinion for the referees to be able to get get a, a uh, better. No, they were trying to make things too perfect. There's going to be 
there's going to be some not perfectness in everything. And if we're going to blow out the whole major call into it's going to do exactly what the, what the offside thing did. It's going to bring up a whole bunch of issues we don't see right now, but we're going to look back and go, oh, fuck, didn't see that coming. The more yeah, surveillance but- you put into the game, the more opportunity you're giving for, for control of the outcomes, in my opinion. I think it, your NBA example you bring up is it's now made it easier for them to like fix games. Uh, and they've also had scandals for that exact and that's Take why away they put the it in, that's why they put it in there though is because of the scandals that were created because the referees had more had more clout and more call than any professional league in, in to North me America. they should pull referees off the ice in general they should have one ref on the ice like back in the day and then the other ones are upstairs have the Freemasons that's style. a horrible we're getting into another separate conversation, but where do you expect Bag that Milk ref to says be? there should be no government what intervention. Mean, what do you mean? Where would they be? The game where should be dictated by the free be? market. How the way you, they did it for five, six decades. How do you expect that one ref to skate up and down the ice? with The way they did for six decades. Yes. Chris, tough it out. The speed was like 30 times slower. Same with the refs, though. And there was They've also gotten Why don't faster. you get some refs that can actually skate? And if you have the other refs up in the booth, then they can just go down to them and they make calls from there. There's so you're going to have bag milk isn't saying he's not saying just go back to one referee and never. No, there would be three saying he's saying put more referees off the ice that are watching are watching reviews and watching plays. So then you're going to have like guys calling in, like watching video and saying like, this is a penalty. And yeah, you can have headsets and shit and have a guy up there be like, yo, watch out behind the play right now. You have Todd Bertuzzi coming to punch Steve Moore in the back of the head and then they can, you know, see that kind of thing happening. I don't like that. Well, of course, you're a ref, though. You don't know shit. I'm tired of talking about refs. That's yeah, what me this, too. Honestly, as this conversation was going on, I was just getting annoyed, and I can't wait that this podcast is over. <laughs> Thank you to Sherwood Ford the Giant and Pog for making this possible. I hope we never talk about refs again. Have a good weekend. Unless you're a ref, go fuck yourself. Shout out, Damien. Best wishes. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.